0: Three, two, one. Hello everybody, welcome back. I'm delighted to be here with David Palmer, blockchain lead at Vodafone, and we're going to talk all things data, IoT, blockchain, and maybe even a little bit of metaverse. David,
1: how are you doing today? I'm great Anthony. Good to be on the show. I've, I've waited a long time. Um, so I'm glad that uh, maybe maybe I'm one of the first uh, on on the show in 2023.
0: Probably the first in Telco for sure. Definitely definitely won the first second in fact for 2023. So I, I, um, I'll take first in Telco. That, <laughs> there we go. There we go. So Really excited to get into a whole range of different topics. Obviously, we're going to talk about digital asset broker, which is, I think, one of the most interesting propositions relating to data decentralization across any industry, but certainly in telco. So I'm really excited for you to share a little bit around that as much as you can at this point in time. So David, for those who don't know you, if you could just give us a little brief background and maybe tell us a little bit about how you got working with uh, Vodafone and then
1: with blockchain technology. Um, So I have... uh been in technology all my life. Uh, So so starting out um, with a lot of business process, reengineering ERP systems. Um, In telco, I I seem to uh, have been at the forefront of the most disruptive technologies. Uh, I think it's a I did something in a former life, but uh, things like uh, the rollout of DSL, satellite DSL, uh, fiber to the premises, um, IoT, Um, And now uh, what we call the economy of things and um, the economy of things is is really reflecting interest. So on the one side, you've got disruptive tech um, and you've got uh, telco. uh, And and I think cellular has been one of the most, uh, especially the smartphone revolution has been, uh, you know, one of the most disruptive technologies um, that that we've seen with, uh, you know, I think 90 over 90 percent of people having a smartphone now. Uh, but but really, um, you know, the economy of things and digital asset broker um, is really about how you um, essentially blend Web3 uh, with with telco. And uh, on the Web3 side, I've been uh, looking at that since uh, I think 2014. Uh, very interested in uh, sort of Bitcoin um, and uh, and and you know trying to understand the mining of that. Uh, but but uh, you know really excited about uh, you know the beginnings of Ethereum as well and uh, and smart contracts and and uh, you know re- really looking at how how that could revolutionize how we go about our everyday life. So I've been in the uh, sort of Web3 blockchain um, uh, area for a long time, uh, and specifically um, I, I've been uh, I've been in the area. Um, We're uh, looking at how we could revolutionize telecoms, and and how we could add value to telecoms. Um, And and, and that that, that has brought me to where I am now, so so, so four or five years, um, working with others in in, in Vodafone, looking at uh, use cases for telecoms and blockchain, um, looking at uh, four of those use cases which um, could go live, uh, that we could take to MVP. And one of those is obviously the Digital Asset Broker, which is about blockchain, IoT, um, and to an extent 5G. So yeah, cool. that, that, that's that, that's me. Very
0: cool. I, I genuinely believe you've probably got one of the most interesting or the most challenging, maybe most challenging and interesting jobs at Vodafone at the moment, if you think about all of the different things you're trying to put together. And we will get into that, but I'm really interested in something that you mentioned at the start of that, which was kind of the, the, the industry is already, to some extent, looking or excited or interested in, in in web three technology decentralization. Do you think that the telco industry lends itself well to decentralization because you see, you know, you've got lots of different providers, you know, all, all around the world, but you have the concept of roaming, you have cross carrier billing and so on and so forth. Like, is is the telco industry naturally more open to this concept than maybe some others?
1: I, I think yes and no. Um, so, 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 so obviously I think it's no secret that the, the, the web two revolution or evolution uh, was something that, uh, that that was not as optim optimistic or or, or, or optimised as it could be for, for telcos, um, but but Web3 presents a new opportunity, a new open, uh, decentralised opportunity. And um, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, roaming uh, is something that uh, that we've announced uh, with with other telcos and you know blockchain providing audit and trust um, for that. where operators. Um, are generally settling, um, you know, uh, uh, s- s- settling bills or, or, or charges uh, across each other, and, and that that was a very good uh, use case for permission blockchains. Um, and I and I think going wider, um, I think those very uh, same processes like roaming can be used, um, you know, for other things like settling, uh, you know, charges across IoT devices. Um, so 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 I do believe that there are some aspects where um, decentralization and openness uh, is a good fit. I also believe it's a it's a very good opportunity as telcos are looking to move from telco to techco and become technology companies with others. Uh, and there's many new business opportunities, digital asset broker is, is, is looking at that. Um, but, but also um, there are some challenges. And part of the challenge I think is typical to, to what we've seen um, and how I see sort of Web3 having evolved so far. Uh, where on the one hand you've got Web3, and, and uh, you know I'm a Web3 believer, I'm part of the movement, uh, but but the adoption hasn't been as significant as it could have been because we've taken a stance that you know, forget everything else, if you want to use this, we're going to do our own thing, come to us, right? And and that that you know we, we have had some adoption, but not full. Um, and then on the other hand, um, you you've got business who are sort of saying, well, we don't really understand this. It doesn't really integrate with what we're doing. It doesn't meet our security standards. And um, I think telcos maybe can be the bridge um, between uh, sort of getting adoption um, to Web3 technologies, but more importantly, for providing a link to incorporate them into everyday business, supply chains, uh, inventory, uh, manufacturing, uh, retail, wholesale. Um, and, uh, and I think that is the future. If you, if you look at uh, where Web3 is going where Web2 is going, where where ERP technologies are going, where where other technologies are going, it's going to be a blend, right? And it's going to be a blend of technologies that solve the right problems at the right time in the right way uh, coming together to to support things like the metaverse or or metaverse business. And and I think telcos have a role to play, not least uh, because you have over 90% of the population connected and with smartphones. It's a really
0: good point. And I, I like that you kind of called it out that, you know, it shouldn't be an assumption that Web3 has to throw everything else away or that blockchain and digital assets are the only technologies that are out there that we get to use in the toolbox, right? You have established and embedded technologies, established and embedded software and so many other places that it's important to try and be able to make use of those to the extent that it makes sense, right? to the extent exactly. that they're fit for purpose. Uh,
1: exactly. And uh, if you look at a lot of companies, um, I mean, you're, you're spending five years ahead on your tech, tech strategy, right? So if you're looking at your tech strategy, you're spending five years ahead. Some of that investment's already been made and I don't need to go into the sort of current economic environment where we're, we're in now. Um, so they're not gonna throw it away, but neither should they because there's some things that traditional uh, technology, centralized technologies do very well. Um, and there's some things which I think is majority, the majority externally facing. Um, External-facing uh, use cases and problems, which blockchain does very well, uh, and there's some, you know, there's some insights across both that things like AI will bring. So it, it's how we start, to, and I think 2023 is is really about how we start to blend these technologies to really uh, move forward. And if you look at some of the projections, so um, you know, uh, McKinsey, who I've worked with before, um, yeah, I've recently come up with a projection about the metaverse. Opportunity being about five trillion, we've got something from City, uh, which is also looking at a uh, significant opportunity. Um, but five trillion is near five percent of global GDP, right? So that's not going to be something so doing something in operation in isolation. It's not going to be gaming. That is about how you know if Web3 is a part of that, how that can transcend to real world business, supply chains, retail, wholesale, um, you know, financial services, and, and to do that is going to be a blend. It's not going to be either or, it's going to be a blend. And I think this year will be about how those blended technologies start to make their mark uh, and gain adoption.
0: I'd like to hope so. And, And with that in mind, I'd love to kind of think about or help maybe for the audience, explain how does an organization like Vodafone look at things like this, right? You've got customers in two different ways, right? You've got business customers who have operations, supply chains, devices, equipment, you have your customers, retail customers, like you you and I, we have our phones, we have our SIM cards, maybe, you know, we're lucky enough. We have an IOT device on our dog or our cat or something like that. But, you know, we have somewhat, somewhat different needs. You have, you know, people who, really are want, want to have the latest phones, the latest technology to be enabled, and maybe there's a role that Vodafone can play. You've got those organizations, like you said, that are thinking in five, five years ahead, the CTOs or the CIOs are thinking about simplification of their stack, not really expanding out into, into kind of weird and wonderful or, or new and expansive technologies. And you're in the middle as you know, a telephony provider, a device provider, an IoT provider, and so on and so forth. How, how do you how do you mix, mix that all together how do you as Vodafone look at emerging technology and say this is how we're going to have an impact
1: uh, I, I think um, a lot of companies um, you know have uh, you know well-established processes for looking at innovations and ideas and evaluating them uh, with, with, with blockchain um, I was part of a group um, you know uh, uh, which, which was looking at four use cases and the approach was to take four uh, use cases or four you know, poor, poor, uh blockchain um which which we could take to mvp or poc proof of value and mvp so so it was it was a focused um it was a focused approach but there was some criteria right so so, so the criteria was about um you know adoption business benefits um you know long-term uh sort of benefits to the company etc so there was some criteria p- applied um and then that was the sort of approach to this which was very focused and out of that i think there's a much bigger movement but because uh sort of three four years ago we were looking at those four um four use cases to take to mvp um you know we, we're in a much better position to understand how the technology uh ca- can help but i think one of the things uh you know the cto uh or previous cto now johan uh Weibach, um sort of said to me was uh you know don't focus on the technology he said uh, he said focus on the business and the business benefit and um uh, and, and I think that is some of the mistakes that uh, you know, maybe others have made uh, in blockchain where you're sort of saying, yeah here's blockchain, let's look for a problem let's you know, let's apply blockchain blockchain blockchain. And I think you know we start to get effective and we start to get a, a, a you know adoption with web3 and blockchain where you're actually looking at the business right you're looking at the business opportunities, uh, new business that can be created, uh, business problems that can be solved, revenue that can be earned. And, and that is really how we approached digital asset broker. Uh, you know, with that direction from, from Johan, uh, the previous CTO, it was really about looking at the business side. You know, can it really make a difference when combined with uh, other things to to um, to the bottom line? Is there a business there? Is there revenue? And and, and that was uh, that was the approach we took to digital asset broker. Nice.
0: I think the world is a little unkind in some of its terminology when it says things like blockchain is a solution looking for a problem or people have gone gone through with a blockchain hammer and trying to hit nails. It's not it's not really the way it's played out. It's because I think decentralization is a different way of architecting solutions. It requires a dedicated focus to understand how that actually works. Right? If 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 you're looking at, you know, where where does where does IOT fit or where does um, devices that are always on or where does streaming of data fit? because that's such an interesting and expansive capability, you kind of can't think of that at the same time think, well, you've got to do that and also think about it in finance and then also think about it insurance over here and narrow it down to such a, a small area. It requires quite an expansive span of thought. And so I think it's appropriate as a vertical, as a single thread, but but don't but don't do so with that only and and that is the only technology in mind.
1: Right? No, I, I, absolutely, I, I, absolutely. And and you've seen this where um, when you analyze um, a lot of blockchain uh, solutions, there is a centralized component, and I've been criticised for this because you you have this big decentralized layer, and then you have APIs which which are calling a, a central function, and um, you know it's very hard to find a pure decentralized platform or protocol. Um, you know, and maybe that's just a, a sign of the times. but, but I absolutely agree with you that it, you know, it, it, from a technology point of view and the business point of view, um, you know, it does require a change of mindset. Uh, and, and that being because a lot of focus in business is on control points. Um, you know, how, do, how are we going to control this? How are we going to monetize the data? And, and I suppose that's the big difference between web two and web three is that you're not going to control the data, right? And, and you're not going to control the platform or the protocol. And and that lack of control and and really um, evolving to um, revenues based on value add and uh, and, and and revenue and business models based on decentralized structures is part of the transformation. Which you know I think we know from from the enterprise side is still something that is that we're working on. I hear you and. I want to jump in
0: straight to Digital Asset Broker now because this is the stuff that guys are here for. They want to hear about what have you created, you know, how many years ago it was with your kind of four four use cases, your four initial strands. Digital Asset Broker was announced last year. It's official. It's above it's above the the parapet <laughs> now. People are coming in. There's an ecosystem growing. Tell us about it. Tell us about the genesis. Tell us about the areas it focuses on, the problems it solves, and how how is this different to what we've had before?
1: Yeah, it, it's a result of a journey. So, so Vodafone are or have been for many years now um, voted a leader in IoT. So, I think by Gartner's Magic Quadrant, uh, Vodafone's uh, GDSP uh, IoT platform has been voted number one. Um, there's currently uh, over 160 million connected devices. Uh, you know, Vodafone's platform provides managed connectivity. Um, and, 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 that, you know, is a testament to the innovation of, of the organization, um, and being able to implement that to, you know, have a successful business. Um, however, uh, you know, digital asset broker was you know, part of that innovation. We mentioned how you innovate and, you know, um, George Bento, who uh, was a sort of CTO of, of IOT. Um, so it start, started, uh, you know, we had a conversation about blockchain. He said, well, you know, start, have a look at it, you know, Let's see how it could apply, and um, we started initially looking at uh, at uh, how it could apply to onboarding suppliers in IoT more easily, because at the moment there's a a big tra- time lag for getting contracts set up, and we were sort of thinking, okay, you know, if you, you know, if you're going to have a marketplace and devices are going to need to supply goods to other devices or smart cities, you need to shorten that time frame. So could blockchain uh, be a way of doing that? So that's how it started, and then we we had this um, sort of vision of devices, um, you know, autonomous cars being able to transact with chargers and tolls, and um, and we soon and blockchain was obviously attractive because uh, of the trust it would provide between the devices, but also the ability to have micropayments and cross border payments, uh, co- cross border payments and transactions. Um, however, I soon realized that we weren't going to become a layer one protocol. Right. We weren't going to build our own blockchain. Um, and, and and then you, you're sort of looking at, okay, where is our right to play? Um, so we started looking at, okay, what if we could somehow connect the six hundred and sixty million, I think it was maybe 130 million at the time, uh, devices to blockchain? Right? Uh, uh, what, what, what what if we could somehow build a bridge between the SIM card and the blockchain? What, if, what you know, and uh, that's how it started. So we started looking at that, and there happened to be uh, some technologies at the time that we we had. One of them, proprietary uh, to to Vodafone, called SimTrust, uh, and the other one is an open standard called IoT Safe. And we were saying, okay, can we uh, use these standards and uh, you know to to actually connect uh, the SIM card to Chain? And if we could do that, could we actually allow a SIM card to sign on Chain? Yeah, can we generate private keys in the SIM card? Can we store that private key securely? Can you sign on chain? And that was the edge part of uh, of DAB, uh, which is really um, a protocol, a layer two protocol um, for um, how devices can be connected to uh, to, to, to Web three, um, and and that was it really. And uh, from from there, you know, our mission became you know how we could connect the devices. And if we could connect them, how we could get them to interoperate with each other or speak to each other. So could we use something like decentralized digital identity, uh, you know, verifiable credentials to allow devices to, um, you know, to, to speak to each other securely um, and and across organisations and silos. And um, you know, from that, you know, could we then use the cryptography in the SIM card to power a wallet? You know, and if we had a wallet which was linked to on chain, could we start to transact and have payments and micro payments and, you know, and, and that basically was the beginning of it. And um, right now we have, um, you know, a, a digital asset broker platform, uh, which is essentially your protocol, which is essentially a protocol about how devices uh, can interoperate with each other, how we can connect them to uh, a, a, you know, a layer one blockchains, which forms the ecosystem, and, and how you can p- power this new economy. Um, and, and that economy, you know, at the moment is, um, you know, focused on on, on devices we, we have now, which are part of supply chains, which are part of uh, mobility, uh, which are part of healthcare, and uh, you know how those devices can basically come together to form a huge marketplace uh, and uh, transact with each other. But in the future, um, you can see uh, that you know devices having identity. So you know, for example, uh, an electric car having an identity, uh, speaking to um, uh, an EV charger, an electric charger that has an identity. You can see how uh, a transaction for charging could be automated, and where you go forwards to having autonomous cars, you can see where you don't have someone with a smartphone in there, how that starts to become really relevant. So uh, today, um, you know, as you as you said, the platform uh, is launched. Uh, it's still at MBP, but it's a you know it, it's a, a lot of progress has been made, and we're working with. Uh, real o- automotive manufacturers, fleets, and others uh, across the IoT spectrum to to um, to power this new economy of things. Uh, and one of the areas that we've uh, you know that, that we've uh, uh, sort of sort of explored as the first use case uh, is electric vehicle charging, simply because again you're looking for a real problem. Uh, in Europe alone, by 2025, you need to have 1.2 million charges, right, and uh, there's a lot of um, need for infrastructure, which we're, we've got solutions using Web3 and smart contracts for. There's a lot of uh, uh, need for, um, you know, for, for frictionless uh, experience in charging, uh, which is, which is interoperable. Uh, and we're we're looking at how we can use the protocol for device-to-device transactions to do that, and we've actually got something which we're piloting and rolling out at the moment across Europe.
0: Ben, so, so I'm talking I'm
1: talking a lot, Anthony, but yeah, it's, it's uh, four years away. <laughs>
0: It's not a simple proposition to be fair, David, and you've done a really good job of of kind of breaking down the genesis of it, the components, and the what are we doing with it, all I think relatively concisely, but there's a couple of really interesting things out of that that I want to kind of double click on because I think it's worth people listening in realizing or hearing this again, because I mean, the, the first thing was you said, we don't, we don't want to have our own protocol, right? Or we, we don't want to be a layer one, which I think is an interesting point because we have already very many layer ones in web three. We have very established ones, some with different performance characteristics and so on. Some that have obviously their own token structures and standards that allow you to already today transact value for minimum cost in a borderless way. And so there's no sense of creating a voter token or voter coin at this point, when actually your secret source is like you described that the SIM card, you've essentially got 160 million hardware wallets which people working in Web3 will be familiar with the concept of hardware wallet. So if the SIM card, if your phone is a hardware wallet, then now you can imagine what that can do, either autonomously or with your control, that hardware wallet can sign, initiate, receive funds, move funds, et cetera. That becomes incredibly powerful then as a you know convenient in the hand or in the vehicle or in the device or in the equipment means of which to then add the hardware wallet, the identity, onto an existing transaction system. You also mentioned micropayments, which I think is, is important in a couple of different ways. One is the cost of doing it, right? People will say, well, couldn't we just use the card network? Couldn't we just connect our bank cards today? At the moment, if you're paying for tolls, right, you're, you're paying for, I live in Lisbon, right? I drove back from mm-hmm. this morning. I went through five different toll plazas and, you know, each one being a, a payment of somewhere between 60 cents and one Euro 50. And each one of those, there will be a charge of i don't know 5 cent or something like that and that's probably okay that's not going to break the bank i'm not going to start kicking off that i've had to use my bank card for those those things and it's not going to cost me too much but if you start seeing increased volume of transactions if you start you know doing in the hundreds of millions or billions of transactions and each one of those has a 5 cent cost to it or a, you know a 2 cent fee that starts to become unfeasible and so the ability to have Side chains or peer-to-peer transaction networks which are constantly settling or that never settle, um, that becomes incredibly powerful from an efficiency perspective, and people don't see or hear that. The, the the last one and again relatable example for me is is I have an electric motorcycle, and since moving to Lisbon, there's a there's a charging station. 10 yards from my house, which is unbelievably convenient. I didn't know that at the time, but I, I do. <laughs> but but I went down to it I was like, Well, well, how do I how do I pay for this? Right? I have a, I have a cable, I have a motorcycle, I, I rode up and, you know, figuring out my, my worst Portuguese, how does this work out? I have to because there's no universal or interoperable payment system for this charge point. I have to go to one of five or six energy providers that doesn't power my house. You know I, and, and apply for a card to then be able to go over tap that card and they manage the payments settlement and reconciliation behind the scenes that is friction to me because you know maybe maybe that that works well because i live here but what if i'm from france and i'm coming through right do i then have to give somebody my bank account details to then post something to my house or do i have to become a resident and or have somebody in portugal receive my payment card it felt like the most clunky and unnecessary experience for something that Frankly, I would be expecting just to do it with a debit card, right, or Apple Pay or something like that. But the infrastructure here still isn't mature enough to enable that. Um, and I don't know I that that's good. probably not a surprise to you, but I, no, I, 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 I yeah,
1: sorry, no, please.
0: I'm I, I'm interested that that my my immediate journey, and I'm a segment of one, but my immediate journey is immediately relatable to the problems that you're trying to solve with technology that we've been talking about for a couple of years. So, so I, I can, I can personally validate what you're working on.
1: <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, can you imagine if you're a fleet and you're trying to, uh, I mean, one, one, one of the, um, uh, so, so, sort of uh, eye-opening moments I had was when I, I sort of got into an electric car and, um, you know, I tried to get it charged and I went to the supermarket and, uh, and uh, realized I needed an RFID tag uh, to join. So that wasn't gonna happen. And I had sort of 18 miles in the car and then you go to another charger, it's not working. You go to another charger and you've got to do- download an app. In fact, for most of them, you have to download apps. Um, this isn't true for Tesla uh, who have a closed loop uh, plug and charge and, network. And there are um, advances with iOS, ISO 15118, which is the plug and charge standard in Europe. But at the moment, it's very fragmented. Um, and, and can you imagine, you know, Having to uh, you know find ways for, for for fleet drivers to pay, and that's one of the things that we've looked at is how uh, where you have um, you know a, an identity for the car, and you're able to delegate a payment credential in the car, and that can be a real world p- payment credential or a token or um, loyalty points, uh, you know. but, but but then how how you can authenticate people uh, using passing that digital identity and their credentials uh, to use that payment credential in the car. To pay for things like charging or charging your scooter, um, and, and that is the power of blockchain, cellular, um, and uh, and cellular cryptography coming together. Blockchain providing the ecosystem uh, and the trust, um, you know, for devices and and their owners uh, to 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 transact with each other securely. Um, but but also, you know, they need to be connected, and you need cryptography at the edge to do that and and these are all the things coming together in digital asset broker to to solve real problems um, so so, so I, and i think I, I see a lot more of these solutions coming um, there's other protocols which are taking that further to look at machine file or, or ways that uh, iot devices that produce data can be financed um, you know and there's there's other sort of developments in that area where you can start to incorporate things like defi um, you know pay to earn, buy now pay later um you know tokens token payments uh you know um nfts in in that solution but i think the the basis is about how you can bring together you know um mainstream cellular business enterprise technologies with web3 um to realize an opportunity and and hopefully make the world and, and and business a bit better
0: I hear you. And it's not something you're going to do by yourself. It's not something that, you know, you're just cooking this up in the cupboard and hoping that someone's going to actually go out and use this. Right. You're talking about building a platform. You're talking about growing an ecosystem. So for those who, who haven't heard any of the announcements or who maybe don't know enough about Digital Asset Broker today, who are you working with and helping scale this out? You know, whether that's you know, right now or who are the target organizations you would like to
1: work with in the future? Um, so, 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 so on the technology side, of course, uh, you know, we've got a core team we're partnering um, with, with, a, with a, a lot of the leading um, uh, system integrators and, and technology companies um, you know, on, on the basis, and this is the power of decentralization, on, on the basis that, that, that they're part of it, right? Uh, you know, they, they can host nodes, they can be a part of the network, they can uh, use this for their customers, they can be part of the ecosystem, they can bring ecosystem. Uh, so we're partnering with a lot of the leading technology companies. I won't sing, single any one of them out, but there's announcements out there. Uh, and, and on the... Uh, on the uh, sort of um, customer or user side or device side, uh, of course, um, you know, we, we start with the 160 million devices that we already have. And I think that's one of the advantage advantages is that you, you can kickstart the ecosystem um, with that. And it makes us automatically one of the largest protocols out there. Um, but uh, also, um, you know, we're working with a lot of uh, companies in the sort of automotive energy uh, and healthcare sectors as well. Um, some of the announcements will start to come out, but uh, over the coming months. But there's some really exciting, uh, exciting things that will will come to light. Um, and and also, I think it's important to say as well. I mean, I've emphasised the SIM card, and uh, you are right to play because we've linked SIM to blockchain. And incidentally, I posted on this a while back. Vitalik sort of said the same thing, right? That uh, you imagine. You know what what you call mobile mining, where essentially you know you mobile phones and the cellular network can be part of that. But I think, you know, with uh, you know over, over six billion smartphones, it's sensible that they become part of consensus protocols. But but one of the points I wanted to make is that uh, the platform isn't only for cellular devices. So so part of our roadmap is to um, incorporate devices that don't have uh, SIM cards uh, because essentially we can still assign them. Um, digital twins, and we can still assign them identities in the platform. Um, and and uh, you know part of what we're doing, we've already done this with the chargers uh, with with the electric chargers, but part of what we're doing is to obviously extend the protocol to to look at these devices, so Wi-fi devices, Bluetooth devices, and other other devices so that we can cover the full ecosystem. Very cool. And I mean it's,
0: it's a not it's a non insignificant task right? when you already have your own ecosystem or one hundred and sixty million wallets. Inverted commas um, yeah. that you can pull from. That's already strong, right? That puts you above, like you said, most most of the other layer ones in terms of the number of wallets. If you're gonna if you're gonna count it in those terms, um, but at the same time, you've got to try and integrate a number of different standards or a number of different. You, you know, it's no good just saying, well, we're gonna add another one. Or, we're gonna create another standard on top, and now everybody should be using the Vodafone Digital Asset Broker standard, because you know that that doesn't change anything. right? You've got a, the not insignificant task of working with the Charge Points or working with um hardware providers or IoT providers and so on and so forth, so that it's as easy as, well, I have Vodafone Digital Asset Broker, so I can go to any charge point I like, or I can go to any store that I like, or I can start my device streaming data, or I can have my vehicle start streaming data and I can monetize from that, potentially. Um, you know, so is is that, you know, what's what's the what's the, the longest mile or what do you feel is like the the, the the thing that's really going to unlock scalability for you guys
1: at this point. Um, I, I think a few things. So so one of them is I also realize um, that uh, you know, the, the, you know in, interoperating uh, with layer one. And I think in your new job, uh, uh, well not so new anymore, but uh, you, you'll realize the importance of interoperability at layer one, and uh, and uh, that's the benefit of being a layer two protocol, which brings uh, devices and cellular to blockchain. Is that uh, I think scaling, um, you know, the layer once uh, is going to be important, and uh, getting DAB into operating with more layer once, uh, you know, is going to be critical so that you can merge the ecosystems and develop trust within them. Uh, I think that's important. I think uh, the other uh, thing is um, working, ac- obviously, across uh, di- different uh, connectivity service providers. Um, so obviously we're Vodafone, but. Um, I think this platform and creating an economy is something that can bring together, in the same way roaming does, uh, cellular providers to make this market and uh, you know and be a key player in it. Um, and I, I think the other thing is just um, you know focus on the verticals, and uh, really really solving um, problems. And I think uh, electric vehicle charging is is a key one. There's so much happening in that area, and the, and and you know. It really is searching for solutions, not just to connect the chargers and the people, but to come up with new ways of, uh, of financing chargers and new ways of um, getting cars and people and chargers and organisations to work together. Um, that I think yeah, having more of those sort of verticals will be important to to scale. But I, I, I'd say um, you know, if I was to pick one, um, it's going to be um, you know extending. DAB to work with non cellular devices
0: as well. Nice. So, not not an insignificant roadmap. And if Vitalik, if you're listening in, David wants to talk to you. He <laughs> like he likes your work already. Seems like you guys have already got stuff in common to talk about. Great. Um, Great, I'm man. loving, <laughs> I'm loving in in the chat as well. I've got I've got a few of the Portuguese community coming in, saying, mm-hmm. um, giving me suggestions on what I should be doing or how I should be managing tolls and stuff like that differently. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So just, of, a, just just a quick shout
1: out. So so the CEO of DAB is a guy called George Bento. Uh, and he's uh, he's the biggest ambassador for Portugal ever, and we will have presence, and we have people from Portugal who have been key to the inception, the ideation, and the building of the platform. Uh, so a shout out to all of the Portuguese uh, people, um, you know, who are supporting. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, Portugal, um, you know, we, we will have a presence there, and we're hoping to be at the Web Summit this year as well. Uh, So, so, so hopefully, hopefully we can see you in person.
0: Would love that. Looking forward to that. So if if you Mm -hmm. want to hear more about DAB, if you want to come, come link, link with David, he'll be in Lisbon soon. We'll make Mm -hmm. it happen. We'll do it. We'll do a big event out here. It'll be lovely summertime, all of that. And Felipe Carlos, thank you for your kind suggestions, guys. Anyone else who has questions for David about DAB, about the tech, about the scaling, about what he's planning to do about use cases, Please do put your questions in the chat now because we're about to go to Q&A in a couple of minutes. I've got a couple more questions for David before we do. Um, I think what was, what was really interesting about what you said before is um, th- the different technologies having to work together, the different protocols having to work together. I think also we're start- starting to see a really interesting coalescence of auto- automotive technology, energy technology, and mobility technology. If you look at um, the vehicle as a a source of battery or source of power, whether that can help with grid balancing, whether you've got people who are able to source source energy themselves and then sell it to others, sell it to the grid, um, being able to create, like you said, charging stations or virtual charging stations that can be operated autonomously. Right? Vehicles are at a point now where we're not too far away from me being able to plug into your car and to take some charge. So you know if I need 50 kilometers and you're okay with it, theoretically, I can drive out to your driveway, plug in, the two vehicles pay each other and I'm good to go. And then you've got chargers anywhere, anytime. And that becomes super powerful. Then you're not just waiting for them to start installing them at the end of roads. You're just saying, right, I'm going to drive it to someone's driveway. Maybe I'll say hi, maybe I won't. I'll take a few kilowatts and off I go. So it's an exciting future. No,
1: absolutely. And, um, you know, the charging uh, solution we've got will also uh, in our roadmap extend to home charging because the beauty of you know, identities for things is that, uh, you know, you can have a fleet driver um, who, um, you, know, uh, you know, the vehicle he drives or the van he drives has a, a DAB, uh, you know, uh, identity has a DAB wallet. Um, and the, he may have a home charger, um, you know, you could pull up at home, uh, you know, the home charger is DAB enabled, uh, then there's no reason why uh, the car wallet and the car payment facility credential can't pay the home charger, um, you know, directly. So, so there's no expense management, um, and there's no reason why a DAB-enabled home charger can't be made into a public charger in times of uh, of excess demand to uh, you know, to beef up the infrastructure. Um, so, so, so there's a lot of nuances that we can we can look at there. But essentially, you know, this is about Web3 providing interoperability, providing trust and the means for smart payments, uh, automated payments, um, which, you know, I believe will change the world, I I believe it's going to change business, Uh, I believe this will be huge uh, economic and business opportunities associated associated with this, uh, as as well as new business models. Uh, And I believe that this is, you know, where we're going now, you know, not Web3 isolated, not, not, uh, you know, business trying to catch up, but these things merging together, uh, where business is starting to really leverage and harness um, uh, the Web3 technology into into business models uh, to create brand new businesses. Now, business uh, doesn't mean only established businesses. I believe that uh, there's going to be a lot of Web3 businesses or Web3 native businesses that will be part of the main ecosystem. Uh, but the bottom line is that um, you know whichever way it goes, whether it's new businesses uh, adopting traditional technologies or traditional businesses adopting Web3 technologies is that you know the power is going to be in blend it's going to be the power in blending these technologies to solve uh business problems or create new opportunities
0: i like that and again as you're talking you're kind of breaking down what why should we care right this is about this is about identity management. This is about interconnectivity. This is about payments. This is about being able to have automation or s- seamless settlement and reconciliation underneath things that we do every day in things that will become important with our day-to-day lives, whether that's commuting, whether that's running a fleet of vehicles, managing a supply chain, um, administering a business. And, and I think it's it's nice that you're not overhyping it, or at least in the way you're describing a technology that will be increasingly valuable as the future occurs, as opposed to being Im- imminently valuable and critically needed everywhere right now. Um, exactly. You're being appropriately objective with, with how this plays out. So I appreciate that from you, David. And I- I'm going to ask my final question before we go to the Q&A. Are you bullish on enterprise and government use cases? As Somebody who has been looking and working in Web3 for a long time, somebody who spends their time Building something for enterprises with enterprises, I'm assuming there'll be some small amount of bias there. But give us your take or your sense on where are other enterprises or Vodafone's customers in terms of Web3 these days? Are we still are we still persona non grata, or do you see that there's <laughs> going to be some there's going to be some ch- ch- chinks of light coming through?
1: No, it is very true. So so the popularity of people in Web3 in enterprises goes up and down with the price of crypto, right? So 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 at the moment. <laughs> we're not, we're not that popular. But 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 on a on a, on a serious note, um, I, I think as we've seen a bear market in crypto, um, we've also correspondingly seen increased investment and adoption in enterprise, um, and this is covering the banking sector. You know, I was reading Goldman Sachs have announced the token platform uh, using Damo, um HSBC, JP Morgan, um, City. I mean, there's a number of announcements in this area. Um, where I'm seeing a lot of business adoption, so I think I'm very bullish um, that the value of Web3, um, you know, for enterprise and business is starting to be realised from a governmental level. Um, you know, not specifically Web3, but you've got things like EI2.0, uh, which is talking about a European identity wallet. Essentially, what that's saying is identity and verifiable credentials, or they say it, uh, they they call it a testable, um, uh, testable attribute attribute, same thing. Uh, but but this has the potential to automate you know how you go through border control how you rent a car how you apply for financial services where you have uh, issued credentials or trusted issued credentials, credentials and the processes become about verifying that so the blockchain holds the credential and and the process is about how you verify that has the potential to automate every aspect of life where we still exist in this hybrid model of victorian paper documents right and i've, I've been on this before which mean absolutely nothing because uh whether they're valid or not is digital, um, and uh, and and you know, digital identity and verifiable credentials has the potential to move us to this new sort of automated customer experience in our everyday life. And I think EIDAS 2 is looking at that. There's been some experiments with the uh, or, or some pilots with um, a digital native driver's license uh, in Europe, and um, I, I see that going. I don't know how quickly we'll move, but we're starting to see things um, pick up and the adoption pick up um you know in in business now and um i i think that is very 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 positive uh but at the same time you know it comes back to this question of regulation uh and, and for us to really move into the area of um you know some pure mainstream adopted uh you know pure web3 uh you know there, there, there has been some great uh um you know there's been, been some great work there and some great products and protocols um but, but you know, in, in terms of the mainstream business, they're still looking at the regulation saying, okay, you know, give me regulated DeFi, give me some certainty on, on, on regulation. And I think that is the key to unlocking um, some mainstream adoption.
0: Nice. I like that. And again, it's interesting to see that the governments, at least in Europe, are looking to move away from calls to centralized servers or lookups to databases that are provided online that only they serve and being able to decentralize some of that infrastructure, at least it doesn't remove their role as as national authorities necessarily, but it does change the way that the technology and querying of data is handled and managed. And again, that that can be used for good and bad, and we're not going to get into um, how governments will use decentralized technologies to control or not control different parts of the world—that's not for this show. Um, but I do want to jump into some of the questions because I think there's some there's some interesting ones here that I think would be would be useful to get a take on. Um, this isn't a question, but I wanted to put it up anyway because it amused me. Uh, Felipe's in here saying Portugal wants to be the first digital valley in the world. Shout out to um, having been the first global village 500 years ago. Um, obviously, Felipe and myself were both bullish on Portugal, so um, yeah. you know. Any, I myself, any... I'm an I'm
1: honorary Portuguese, so I, 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 I support.
0: You. There you go, David. You're very welcome here at any time. But you know, just just a quick shout out to Portugal. Just for anybody else who who who's out there, here's an interesting question from Dave. Um, what are the benefits of using the SIM card as a hardware wallet as opposed
1: to an app on the smartphone itself? Um, so, so, so the benefits for for IoT are are, are essentially that um, you can generate multiple private public keys. Uh, from the SIM card, uh, you've got a hardware secure module in there. And using elliptic curve bridges, you can actually um, have a device that doesn't have a smartphone. <laughs> um, so, so if you if you're looking at a connected cabinet or, or, or a drone or, or some device where you don't have a smartphone, uh, it allows that device to be open for business and to be able to transact automatically. So um, you, know, you have hardware secure modules in uh, you know, in smartphones um but uh, you know in IOT devices we give the same capability and the same automation capability but just but in terms of the hardware wallet just the correction um so, so, so essentially um, you know we, we have the hardware secure module we have the uh, you know, you know, the cryptography and the SIM card and the, the private keys public keys uh, Pki uh, however um, part of the um, wallet infrastructure or wallet design that we have, is based on four four principles. So one of them um, is uh, you know uh, um, multi uh, sorry uh, smart wallet uh, smart contract wallet architecture. Uh, the other one is Wallet Connect, uh, social recovery, and multi sync. Right. So those are the four principles. And Wallet Connect, you know, is something I I'm very excited about uh, because it gives you the ability uh, for one wallet on a device um, to connect to multiple wallets on chain. Uh, we're actually extending that to connect to multiple payment credentials, including banks, uh, banking cards, um, bank accounts, and, uh, and and cards, and uh, obviously um, connect to smart contracts so you can automate the payment. So um, that that multi um, that that, that um, wallet connect is something that we're looking at, and I'm also very interested in the messaging capability that uh, has recently been announced on that. Um, so 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 the, we're taking it beyond just the hardware wallet. It's about a uh, interoperable uh, wallet that can connect to multiple payment credentials wherever they're held and automate the payment.
0: I'm glad you did. I'm glad you you, you kind of preempted William's question here. But let's continue with the thread a little bit because it's kind mm-hmm. of related. Um, William's question here is, aside from being a revolutionary payment solution, which is as you described, um, what are some of the other benefits in terms of customer experience that DAB can bring? Are there other things that you want to highlight? I felt like we were already on that train, so mm-hmm. I thought I'd jump in with
1: William's question here as well. Um, well, I, well, I think the 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 benefit, um, you know, pr- primarily we're looking at Internet of Things, right? Uh, so, 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 so the benefit to businesses is uh, essentially about monetizing their devices, opening the devices up for business, um, but but also uh, improving the ability of those devices to buy and sell. So, you know, fleet cars to be able to buy charging, but also sell data. And that all being automated, um, taking account, you know, incorporating real-time data to, to, to look at real-time opportunities. However, when you look at this paradigm or this um, access of people, business, and things, and people, business, and things, identities, and then you're looking at verifiable credentials. As I was saying, you know, we've got the potential here for, you know, a, a barrier at a train station or a barrier at a football stadium or a barrier um, or an automated till in a store um, to have the intelligence, uh, to be able to recognize a person and the good, and for a smart contract location, um, and data, uh, you know, based on identity and payment credentials to be able to automate that, right? Uh, you know, there, there is huge potential where you have intelligent things, uh, which are open and capable of commerce, uh, linking with people and or businesses, um, you know, and, and you can verify credit payment credentials and location and identity. Uh, uh, you know, this is the next generation of automated retail, which I think could, uh, you know, could could be uh, very disruptive of, you know, you order something online and you just walk in and pick it up from the store and walk out, right? Uh, you're starting to see some of this with Amazon Go, um, but, uh, you yeah, know, I, I believe that cellular will play a big role in that.
0: Nice. And again, the the benefit there is that you've got devices, and then if if you talk about expanding DAB to Vodafone and other telcos, you've then got multiple device, multiple country, multiple SIM interoperability, and that, that becomes a little bit more attractive than individual silos of Amazon doing something, a couple of banks doing something. Theoretically, you've got an easier, more scalable solution. Should, should it still work out? I mean, you've still mm-hmm. got not an insignificant amount of interoperability and, and standards work to do there, but it sounds like that's the general direction. Question here from Alan. Shout out to Alan. Um, how do you go about deciding on the roadmap for DAB? What comes next in terms of use cases? What comes next in terms of what goes on the platform?
1: Uh, so the roadmap to data has been um, you know to, to um, get the key functionality uh, in place and and to grow the ecosystem as quickly as we can, we, we believe that ecosystem is key. Um, so so things like um, you know sim interoperability, uh, device interoperability, uh, interoperable identities, um, things that can allow us to get as many devices, uh, you know, starting with the one hundred and sixty million we have on on our IoT platform, um, on, 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 as soon as possible. And, um, and you know we're also looking, you know, from a customer point of view at the key things in in EV charging and automotive, uh, where we're getting a lot of um, a lot of noise, a lot of demand. Um, but but going forwards, obviously, you know, we apply criteria. Uh, one of them is ecosystem. The other one is customer. The other one is um, you know sort of business opportunity. Uh, and we're using those to sort of decide how we how we move forwards. But it's a, it's a process. I mean, as you said, Anthony. You know there's some very very ambitious uh you know um innovative uh solutions solutioning that needs to happen to take this forwards uh the first one being to connect devices uh to web3 you know and uh, i believe that 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 was very very significant we're not the only ones to have done it but um we're the only ones to have done it with 160 million uh, devices on a platform that can potentially be brought into the ecosystem um, so, so I think that was very so, so significant. And I, I, I also believe um, in three things, right, when I look to the future. One of them is, um, you know, we're going to move to a world of wallets. Yeah? And we spoke about the 160 million wallets, but there's going to be 70 billion IoT devices in the next five to sort of 10 years. Um, so that's 70 billion wallets uh, that can be linked to devices. I believe that we're going to move to an economy of tokens. Uh, and uh, I think one of our common, colleagues, uh, I, I, Andy Martin, um, you know, uh, has, uh, talks a lot about the token economy, but I believe that the economy of tokens, uh, stable coins, CBDCs, and, you know, and the ability for those tokens to provide fractionalization or with NFTs, uh, the ability to have loyalty, uh, um, you know, rentable NFTs. Uh, you know, it, I mean, that economy of tokens is going to be so important. I believe that we're moving to the economy of tokens, a world of wallets, and the other bit which DAB solves is we're moving towards an economy of things. And I think those are the three things that come together, um, well, that will come together to really drive about change in, in industry. Um, obviously DAB is talking about the economy of things, but we, start, we, you know, we will integrate with the world of wallets um, because uh, the EU are adopting it. You're gonna have wallets for people, business organizations, potentially countries. So how um, you know we integrate with wallets will be something uh, key going forwards. Uh, how we uh, integrate with different identity standards and verify our credentials and how we automate that will be something going forwards um and how we you know can support different token standards right and different tokens uh, on the platform for transactions uh you know as well as uh, traditional payments will be something going forward so you know the world of wallets um the you know, economy of things and the economy of tokens or as andy would say the token economy are three things that will shape our thinking going forward
0: there we go. So not an insignificant amount of runway on the roadmap to be fair. <laughs> so Alan, thanks for the question. Uh, I've got a question here from Donette, and this is, this is a, a really, I'll, I'll pricey it cause it's a, it's a long comment, but the, the, the sh- shorthand is how can companies and organizations get to engage with Vodavon to work with DAB at this time? So if you're, lo- if you're looking to have, you know, pilots or companies using this technology today, how do they find out more? How do they get started with DAB?
1: Uh, so, so we have. Uh, uh, so j- just go to vdigitalassetbroker.com. Uh, uh, um, there, there are um, links on on the on the site to contact us, contact me or anyone uh, you know in sort of the older phone business who will point you in the right direction. Uh, but the website has a lot of information on what we're doing, um, and and there's the ability to register, uh, you know, and get newsletters and. Uh, and show an interest, uh, you know, in in the platform. So I'd say, say be We've got a very global team, uh, so we have uh, people working on the platform uh, all over the the world, including Portugal. <laughs> and, uh, and and um, you know, we'd be happy, um, you know, for organisations, uh, you know, to take you through it, to explain it. We've got to explain the videos that we can make available, um, and, and for those, um, you know, the, in in the energy or or automotive sector, there's different trials that we're running that you can be a part of, uh, and we'd love to talk to you. So, uh, you know, happy, happy to to you know personally pick up on anything that's coming through on those links.
0: Very good. Not saying that this is a direct line to David, but he does care. He does read the comments and he will get back to you guys if, if there's enough if there's enough interest or if, if there's organizations who are interested to work with digital asset brokers. So the links there on the screen, we'll put it in the in the comments and in the in the descriptions of all of the podcasts when this goes out as well. So people should be able to find you, David, if 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 they want to. No, so uh, that's super exciting. Absolutely. Absolutely very good and we'll have uh, one last question here from Charlie how are you doing, Charlie how is Vodafone or does Vodafone work with startups so do you see that sort of obviously starting with large organizations that have scale you're a large organization organization yourself but have startups been part of the the kind of Vodafone and digital asset broker story so far or how do you see that playing out
1: uh, some of so from a Vodafone point of view there's some there's a part of Vodafone called tomorrow Street based in Luxembourg um, that that specifically set up to work with startups. Um, from a digital asset broker point of view, I mean, you know, just from the way we were born, um, you know, as a as a startup within a you know, big enterprise organization, and, and with innovation, of course, we're always uh, looking to work with startups and working with startups and looking to, to partner with different organizations of all sizes. So, you know, very, and in fact, I speak to many startups every week. Um, so So from a from a a digital asset broker point of view, um, absolutely happy um, to, to talk to startups, but also actively looking at startups uh, and, and how we can work with them. Uh, but from a Vodafone point of view, is Tomorrow Street is the organization uh, to contact within Vodafone.
0: Got you. Very good. So if you're a startup out there, if you believe that what you've heard today from David in terms of digital asset broker, in terms of 160 million equivalent of hardware wallets in the Sims, Um, The future of payments, the future of electricity, the future of connectivity, the future of automation and the automotive sector as well. Those are the cross sections of where you're working as a startup. I'm sure David would love to hear from you. So um, I'm expecting the flood of emails and messages coming into your inbox now, whether you wanted it or not, David, now it's coming. And with a couple of minutes left to go, uh, David, is there anything else that you wanted to mention? Anything else that you want to cover? Anything else about how guys can find you? How guys can find out about Digital Asset Broker? Anything else you would like to close the show with as, as final thoughts? Uh,
1: yeah, I'll probably just close the show with metaverse. Um, so, so uh, you know, one one of the things that that I was talking about last year, and I will talk about this year, is is the metaverse of things. Um, and I believe the metaverse has been important because it's provided a framework for us to start looking at business models and customer experience, and, and uh, how Web three can be a part of that. Um, you know. Part of what I see going forwards is, um, you know, the importance of uh, the digital world and real-world experiences coming together. I believe IoT devices, um, I believe data from IoT devices will be key to that. Um, As will uh, Web3 uh, capabilities, tokens, uh, financing, DeFi, digital identities, um, wallets, uh, smart contracts. Um, And, uh, you know, this is something that I think will be key as we go forwards. Some say metaverse is hype. Uh, you know, hasn't lived up to its expectations. Yeah, it's, it's. But, but I, I think the bottom world well, is, you know, the bottom line is that the digital world and the physical world have been merging. We've seen an acceleration of that through COVID, um, and uh, you know, we're seeing as we go forwards uh, that there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, very significant opportunities, and then we're seeing yeah, those opportunities being being valued as much as five trillion by 2030. Uh, so, so so I'd like to maybe end by, by by saying that that is something that we're looking at going forwards and um, I believe that the metaverse framework and metaverse business um, you know will be something that uh, that, that, that uh, will bring together things like IOT web3 uh, and uh, other technologies you know to really impact uh, customer experience and business going forwards
0: love that David bullish on enterprise bullish on government. Government use cases: bullish on IoT, bullish on digital identity, and bullish on the metaverse. I mean, it's it's a very I'm, positive I'm, outlook from where I'm. I'm not I'm not so
1: bullish on my on my uh, crypto portfolio at the moment, but that's another. <laughs> but
0: that, but I, and I think if there's any if there's one last takeaway from this is to, to remember that all of this good work, all of this technology, all of these assets, all of these standards are being developed irrespective. Of token prices and crypto, right? And that's an exactly. important distinction when you talk about Web three more broadly. I've posted on this plenty of times. Is let's remember that we're creating infrastructure here as well, not just tokens. And yes, there will be a token economy, and yes, we are, we want to enable that. Um, and also, be kind to the metaverse. It's only a couple of years old. I realize that you know the term metaverse has been co- been coined decades ago. The fact that you know we are talking about the concepts of virtual reality, augmented reality, X reality the idea of web three into blending my my take is that the metaverse started when facebook changed its name that was the point at which an industry Mm -hmm. convened around a theme and a term and we start seeing all these things coming together that's a hill i'm going to die on i'm prepared to go there i'm prepared to to leave it at that but remember the metaverse is still early if you thought web three was early the metaverse is even earlier but david it's been pleasure to have you on the show thank you for sharing the work that you guys Have been doing. Shout out to the rest of the team, shout out to Vodafone, shout out to Digital Asset Broker, and have a great rest of your day. Stay safe out there. Thanks, Thanks, Anthony. Thanks again for listening to the Blockchain Won't Save the World podcast. As always, opinions in this episode are mine and those of my guests alone. If you want to find out more, please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, check out some of the other episodes on the Blockchain Won't Save the World podcast, and check out the YouTube channel, also called Blockchain Won't Save the World. Stay safe out there.